queen. So we're speaking with Dr. Neville Ballin, who, amongst other things, is a pain physician. And hopefully we'll get into some of those other things. But uh, he has a very unique perspective on pain. And in fact, in this interesting time, I was just speaking to him for weeks. I would say maybe even months ago, we had had the first discussion about something called CVDs, which I'm hoping we will get into in some amount of depth here. And what really getting into really is medical marijuana and all of its positives, negatives, and so on. So uh, welcome, Dr. Balin. Uh, thank you. Yes, man, it's a pleasure to join you this evening. Yes, excellent. Right. So uh, if you could... Well, I know this, but if you could give them, uh, everyone uh, an idea of your background and what, uh, in terms of medicine, what, what you actually, what are the many things that you do? Well, um, basically, I'm an anesthetist. I, I graduated um, in the University of Aberdeen in Scotland yeah. and uh, did my postgraduate um, training in anesthetics in various hospitals in the UK, various regions, yes. Birmingham, Leeds, amongst others, and Aberdeen. <clears throat> I came to Jamaica as a lecturer at, U at UA in the Department of Anesthetics and Intensive Care. Yes. And I've also had a strong um, interest in chronic pain management. And I was lucky enough to have worked in the UK during my training with several pain groups and pain physicians who became leaders in the field in Britain. So my interest started from then. And so, I mean, just very briefly. So I know, uh, although intensive care was one of my main areas, particularly, but now I sort of let that onto the younger folks now and to others. And I've been focusing on pain management, which I find extremely challenging, interesting, and very rewarding. Excellent. And... In the present, I was just wondering, in the present, how medicine is at this time, is this the current path to become a pain physician or a pain specialist through anesthetics, or can you go directly there? Or just something I'm wondering as you were talking. Well, interesting enough, you know, that um, <clears throat> initially pain management, as was intensive care, as I said, was really the purview of anesthetist because anesthetist anesthesia itself means without pain, so you could have pain-free surgery. But however, recently and certainly the meetings I go to, several disciplines have now become involved in pain, as is one of the fastest-growing um, um, subspecialties. Mm -hmm. So in the pain area, we have surgeons. But one of my very good colleague I work with in, 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 in Ohio, USA. He's a urologist who have done a lot of work in pain and done his pain fellowships and is now running a big pain practice. Oh. I also see uh, orthopedic surgeons, neurosurgeons, and uh, physicians such as neurologists who have also become interested, increasingly involved with pain management. So pain management is no longer the purview of anesthetist and any specialty can really become involved in pain. Yes. The, di the differences might be, just very quickly, the differences might be that 
those with my with our background training anesthesia, I'd maybe more interventionalist. In other words, we would do it a lot of interventional pain where it involves in uh, blocks, spine blocks, nerve blocks, or whatever. Whereas where other persons who don't have that background may be more involved in the medical management of pain. So it's a wide area. It can be really got by everybody. <clears throat> yes, I find that very fascinating. It sounds like to me, your opinion is the more the merrier because there is certainly well, a, a lot of patients um, that uh, require the service in my uh, my limited experience as well. Certainly. I think we're, we're looking to get more and more. Certainly in Jamaica, we have been lucky enough to see the, the specialty grow. And a lot of persons who have now become interested in pain have been away and doing pain fellowships. So, uh, so, they, so we're seeing, and those persons, as well as being anesthetists or anesthesiologists, depending on where you are, have also have colleagues who are, um, who are neurologists. And certainly some orthopedic surgeons have become very interested in pain management, are very, very Good at managing pain. Excellent. You know, it you've hit some of the areas where I would encounter patients and uh, general practitioners, you know, family physician, and uh, most admitted, I will. I send, especially, I'm particularly challenging ones to you uh, as much as I can recommend them to you. And what I do see, and maybe it's a good segue into what the meat of what we wanted to talk about, is people that are tired of taking traditional medication. And certainly, maybe because I'm in really literally a rural, West Rural, St. Andrews, where they call where I practice St. Stony Hill. And so I get some overlap with these farmers and other individuals that have contact with with marijuana, and they always ask me if, uh, or not always, but I, I would say a fair amount of the time. But what I was saying to you is that because of where I practice, I do get a little overlap with individuals, with r rural individuals and individuals that work on farms and are in contact with marijuana. And therefore, when they exhaust traditional prescribed medication, they ask me, or as an adjunct, I suppose, would, um, what do I think about this? And I said to them, well, it's something that certainly you could try, and but uh, there is a matter and an issue, in my opinion, with dosing. So with that being said, I, I also do mention that with these newer products, the CBDs and these new companies, well, one company in particular uh, has been sort of hounding me to recommend their things. That I must admit, that's pre-COVID. I suppose in COVID, everyone got busy. That I, I so to come back to my original statement what 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 i really want to get out here and ask you is what are your views on on marijuana in terms of uh, well how you use it in your practice and do you think it's a useful adjunct or primary treatment how do you use it okay so excellent question uh just uh, just uh, as a precursor i think one the use of medical marijuana is an excellent choice as an adjunct. And in some cases, I have, in, in fact, recently, I've actually put it as one of my first line 
um, choices in terms of managing pain. I think one of the ways we need to look at this, though, just to look at what pain is. What does unresolved pain do? Mm. We need to look at um, what 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 the thoughts, what pain is, and what what it can cause. And basically, we're looking at pain can be it's a multiplicity of things. It's a it causes a reduction in in, in their self esteem, uh, fatigue. Mm. You've got impaired um, relationships, you can't sleep, there is depression, anxiety, sexual dysfunction, mm -hmm. sometimes the thoughts of suicide resulting from things like uh, inability to concentrate, loss of income, decreased productivity. So pain itself can create all of these things. Mm -hmm. So now when we talk about management of pain, I like to think of it as saying, look here, if I have a multiplicity of things, just as an example, if sleep is what is one of your major problems and I can find something to help you to sleep, you might find that a lot of the, 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 the symptoms and the issues surrounding pain will, will be lessened because you're not able to sleep. Yeah. Or, or if I give you something that can um, stop you from being fatigued or something that can help to reduce depression. So, so now, in saying that, now, let us look at what, 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 what does the marijuana do? What does medical marijuana do? Medical marijuana, as we speak about it, is, uh, is as a result, is, is, well, marijuana is well from this um, the sativa plant, and about 400 different chemicals inside this, uh, in the cannabinoids, of which the two that we hear about mainly is CBD and THC. Well, these are the phytocannabinoids, where these are, the, 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 in other words, these are the plants. Now, our body, our body, everybody, all bodies have endocannabinoid receptors. So we have receptors for the cannabinoids in our bodies. Um, just a bit technical, we talk about um, CB1 receptors and, and CB2 receptors. So we have, in the body, we have CB1 receptors and CB2 receptors. Now, the one the CB1 receptors are mostly in the central nervous system, so it'll it'll help you with things like sleep. It'll help you with things like fatigue, uh, depression. So, in the central nervous system, we have receptors which help on these things. In the CBD2, which is now the peripheral systems, we now have receptors that can really work to help you with uh, in the cells, with the immune systems, digestive systems with the muscles and the peripheral nerves. So, you know, so we have central systems and we have peripheral systems and all of these, uh, and these are cannabinoid receptors, which as we do find in medical marijuana. So when you're looking at what I mentioned before, pain is so multifactorial. And I've got a compound, which it is widespread in the body and certain, certain, um, certain chemicals on, on the marijuana plant or the marijuana uh, medical marijuana systems can be attached to certain certain receptors. So we can see that definitely there's a strong link to get good benefits as a result of that. So I certainly use my medical marijuana quite a lot in my practice in order to see which one of these systems I can influence, help to reduce the pain, and help to increase the functionality of 
any of the patient. Yes, uh, the the typical there is no real typical patient then, Sir Balin. You would say it it all depends on you you would you select your patients depending on how they present. For example, I suppose what I'm asking is if you have somebody with probably let's call let's say bony pain. Uh, this is a classic example I'll get. Some people with really right. some really bad back pain. I don't know what to do with that. I really I try all these things and their some of their issues to their age and maybe surgical intervention could help, but they have chosen not to go that route. And yet still if the person is in their seventies, the way of people, the lifespan of individuals now, you know, that person could potentially live another twenty years and potentially in pain. So, for example, uh, an individual with bony pain, and then occasionally I get a couple of patients with with cancers, and again, I really am at wit's end. I, I go with, just so anybody's listening to this, there's something called trauma set, which is the closest thing you can get to uh, the strongest medication that we can deliver, arguably pain medication, that we can deliver in hospital. So it's not quite as strong as the ones in hospital, but certainly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, I mean, that's what that's what I tend to do. But so, so for example, just how do you, and maybe I should ask what, what through what system, for example, there are, I think there are the method of administration, I think is what I'm asking as well. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's all excellent questions. You, uh, if you go back to what you're saying there specifically in terms of the bone pain, a person with, with back pain, with, with bone issues and stuff. Yeah. Now, when you look at it, um, back pain generally has a lot of components. You've got the, 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 the bone pain, the nociceptive pain. You also have the, the muscle spasms and rigidity associated with it. And you have inflammation. Okay. Now, we know, um, you asked me, I think it's, it's, it's evolving because within the last month, for instance, I've used um, the medical marijuana as my first line. I've had patients been sent to me who, are not, who have been put on, as you say, the, 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 the tramadol paracetamol combination. Nice. And I've had, yeah, even people on stronger opioids who's having pain, mm-hmm. and I found that that the, <clears throat> that the use of the, the medical marijuana has helped. Now, in mm-hmm. some patients, <clears throat> the CBD component mm-hmm. is supposed to is supposed to be is said to be the strongest component for pain, mm-hmm. and in fact, certainly, I, uh, in my last use within the last month of putting a patient on the CBD. And they've been able to be so well controlled, been able to stop some of the opioids. Oh. So that is something which we're we, which which we're seeing. But uh, in the, I've, I've also been looking at the use of adding a little bit of the THC, the the, the tetrahydrocannabinol, the the, the western psychoactive component, what people always were worried about. That's mm-hmm. the legal component of it. Yeah. So um, and I'm still using some combinations now of adding a little bit of THC. Particularly when you got some some burning pain and some more rigidity, and that has seemed to be, be quite um, successful in those sort of patients. So, <clears throat> and sometimes it's really a matter of because it's so widespread, and, and I think that while we're having so much difficulty in trying to be very specific 
is because pain itself is so widespread and wide reaching. Mm. I have had the benefit of doing some studies using the CBD and the CBD um, analogs, like the CBD, CBG, yeah. and, and that sort of things in, in terms of with pain. So I've actually mm. looked at, at, a, at a group of patients. And in fact, uh, I've actually, why I've, I've been using it more now because I found some of those patients have done extremely well with mm. the CBD and the CBGs. And because some of these are the um, terpenes, as we call it, the, the mm. cannabinoids, they convert to THC. And some patients have done very well to be able to have people who have been opioid dependent, who have been able to come off opioids as a result wow. of starting on that. So I'm not saying it's a panacea because really and truly it, it, it is really widespread, but definitely I have no hesitation in saying, okay, let us try um, some form of, um, uh, of, of, the can- of the cannabis, of the medical marijuana. Excellent. No. So, so it, it, it's not, it's not a thing. So we have to determine, though, that when we say a person going to smoke a spliff, yeah. where the issue comes in there is that you're smoking, you're, you're actually um, inhaling the THC component and the and the CBD component. Mm-hmm. Now, in inhalation is really one of the, the most uh, efficient way of getting into the system, but because of the THC, that's really where the legality comes in now, because mm-hmm. THC is still illegal. Yeah, even in Jamaica. Yeah. So um, smoke and a spliff does not give you the same benefit as when well. I suppose it's come, we have looked at the compound, removed the amount of THC to, to a point, um, to, to a more reduced level, and then we can we can then use use your CBD, which is really from pain management, to be to be effective. So that we do know we have methods of uh, of giving it, like vaping it. So we can get the CBD and vape it, so we can get it into our, into our, into our lungs, into our systems very quickly. Mm-hmm. And we have other methods such as the drops, the sublingual mm-hmm. drops, mm-hmm. and you got the pills. Mm-hmm. The pills are the slowest way of getting into the system. And obviously, we have things like um, the, the gummies and stuff, where you chew and bring that in. That have also found very effective in some patients, and some patients actually that's what they they ask for because that's what they find is very effective in helping to control their pain. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, because of my <clears throat> involvement in doing some of these studies, I have no um, right or wrong. I've come to the conclusion it's not a panacea, but it's definitely, definitely worth um, increasing, adding to your into the management of a patient with with chronic pain. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, just as a quick segue, the one I've really found it extremely beneficial are the people with epilepsy. Mm-hmm. Because I've, I've had patients who have been in hospital states with epilepticus and I've managed to manage them with the medical marijuana very effectively without having to go, without, without um, you know, without being in ICU in states of epilepticus. Very, it's very impressive, Sir Balin, listening to your talk about, about this. And yeah. it, it really it is very encouraging because one of my hesitant. Well, one reason I was somewhat hesitant is pricing, and I just remember thinking that this, it sounds like it's a bit much for the amount. And of course, the fellow, although he's a rep, I found it to be quite. It's one particular company that used to come to me, but that's another good question. Is there more than one company distributing it formally? 
as the CBD compound. Yeah, I know this one. I know this one major company, and we're actually um, trying to get more more into it. Because in fact, the people they had done two studies for two companies abroad, yes. and both of them were given license. After as a result, of the studies were given a license to license the drugs in Jamaica, mm. and they do have a they do have an outlet uh, in what in one of the one of the pharmacy pharmacy, pharmacy groups who was uh, their agent. Of, but I don't I don't really see them bring it out. I can have access because I know because I was involved in the study, but I don't see them marketing it like one particular company is doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, between you, but what I've done recently through another colleague actually is to find a source who makes it who makes up the CBD THC combinations locally, and have had access to their test certificates and things, and that makes me more because I can see the test certificates. I am more I feel more comfortable in actually prescribing it or recommending it to a patient. Okay. Because my problem was that I didn't feel, as a, as a physician, I didn't feel comfortable in, in recommending something where we don't know what's inside it. Because I know a lot of I have lots of samples people make it and give me to try. Yeah. I know I might try it on myself or taste it, or I can give yeah. it to a, a, a selected person and say, "Okay, I've been given this by um, this by A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. It is said it's said to be THC or it's said to be CBD. So, it, you know." Try it and see how you find it. But I, I do that for very, very select persons because I would not give it as a general rule. But now, since I've got this other person who, who can actually, you can see what the testing is like, I have no problem in using using that person as a local local company. Um, so they're, they're, those test certificates obviously can't be falsified in the way how the, the, the certs to that confirm what's in the product? Yeah, man, because no, those are done by the, the testing lab, whether at UTech or university. Oh, I see, I see. So we can always backtrack it and see exactly where, where they are. If we have any concerns, we can say, who's your test lab? And you can have to go back to the, the, lab, to the, to the lab and get the original certification. The, the, the question I was asking about the costing, it's still pricey? Yeah, it is still pricey. And what I get, I, I get asked is a lot about if if the medical uh, with medical insurance will cover it. Hope so, to know. I, I don't see. I don't. I don't think any insurance companies covering it. Yeah, yet I've not seen any of my patients say that. But it's a, it's a good question. I need to ask my patient. To ask my my providers, particularly we're in a pain practice. And it has been shown useful if they will cover it for special prescriptions. Yes, so okay. that's something with it's a good question. It's a good that's a work in progress we should really get to. But it is expensive. But it it sounds like though it's based on the effect, it may be worthwhile, definitely worthwhile trying. And I'm saying all of this to say that I have only tried it limited. In fact, I tried to now seizure patients and everybody else trying to get, sort of get to go over there to try it because I was given some samples. And then again, I suppose due to my patient profile, when I recommend and tell them the pricing, I can't remember, it was at least two, three times a regular pain medication. They weren't. And unfortunately, the pharmacy near to me hadn't stopped it. So I guess it's a combination of factors there. It, it, it is a problem because why I was able to get, when I was doing the study, I was giving samples to use. So I gave the patients. So I was able to monitor and track. But when when the samples system when the samples went out, I found that they were then 
not back to square one, but they find it very difficult to, to actually purchase and maintain maintain their stocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that 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 is an issue. But when I when in fact up to up to yesterday, I gave um I I, I gave some to it was a colleague actually who who, who has other issues, mm-hmm. and so basically <clears throat> he just got it. He didn't. At, at, at a root cost, where you just just give the guy the person who makes it. You're looking for a, for a one ounce bottle. It's costing you what seven thousand five seven thousand five hundred dollars. Mm. Now, the when they actually come start to look at um, a prescription for the, you know the the, the trimester, as you say, plus an NC, mm. that might turn up very easily over ten thousand dollars as well. So, mm. but if you can get something which is going to be effective. You have to look at it that way, and I say, I say that to them that you can actually reduce the cost of other things. Then it's not so prohibitive. prohibitive. But yes. if you're going to be in it as well as that's where that's another issue. Yeah, but uh, um, yeah, well, I was lucky enough to get enough samples to be able to be able to work through it and see how it how effective or not effective it was. And certainly, when I had the chance, when I had the ability to be able to to give it. It was uh, pretty. It was. It was. I found it effective to the point that I would use it now as part of my management um, protocols. Excellent. So this Jamaican manufacturer eventually they will do a line, you think, or it's just they're just testing for now? No, they, well, they have a line, they have a label, which okay. I can. Um, in fact, I've. Out of stock now because what I got a few to start and they've all gone. So when I get some, I'll send you the link so you can actually see. You know, we can see we can get it there. I'm getting it through another another colleague who's who's developed the link. So mm-hmm. if if we get enough of it, then I'm sure we'll be able to make our own direct links. Well, I, I, I'm definitely I don't know. <clears throat> it's a passion area for me here, <laughs> and and I'm, I'm really interested. The I noticed that. Well, we have had some contact with cannabis in terms of the medical fraternity. When I was training in, it was pre-clean. I don't know if you knew Dr. West. He did some work. I think it's on, it's glaucoma. And right. I just, so I was just wondering, well, this is glaucoma and cannabis. He developed an eye drop. Anybody listening to this? And the the it seemed to have some positive effect. The interesting thing about that at the time, he had only license to grow it and work with it long ago. This is very long ago. But I was just wondering your thoughts on that. And in terms of it's because I'll just tell you quite frankly, I was told that that drug does not work by another colleague who taught me ophthalmology. Uh, but I was just saying that clearly there was some benefit because it was on the market at some point. And also, just a follow-up to that, I noticed that the indications, we mentioned them indirectly here, some of the indications that are not quite being useful in in terms of anxiety, sedation, uh, appetite stimulation. And I'm just wondering when, as a professional, you think all of that will occur based on what the literature is, is saying. Well, I, I think it's something that, when, okay, when you go back to Professor um, Manley West's work, 
and they developed, I think it was Canisaw, right? What they yes. developed. Yes. Now, unfortunately, because of other issues, the, the full license because of the testing wasn't done, but other people are not marketing it oh. uh, because it's default defective. So I, I think is when, when, when something is new coming out, I think we're, we're maybe as we're probably reluctant to give it the, the full trial, to give it the full pace before we can start to say it's effective or not effective. Yeah. But uh, I think it's effective enough that manufacturing companies, are, as far as I understand it, are actually um, making it and developing it further. Oh. So he, he did a, a great thing in, in terms of how he came about it. If you get to know the story of him doing it, then he realized he really had to put a lot of effort in. And it's the Jamaican way to get to get around it, to do yeah. what he did. Yeah. Uh, so he is to be lauded, really, yeah. for for what happened there. And uh, but I think the, the person who may have told you in the early days that it's not worth it, yeah. may have to look back at it now yeah. and realize that there is something in it. Well, and like the- everything else. Yeah. I think like everything else, you know, why should we feel that, oh, it, is, it doesn't work on this patient, so it's no good? I ask the question, why do we have so many different NSAIDs? Exactly. exactly. So we, we, we have to look at it in, that, in those terms as well. Not everything is good for everybody. So we have to, some things respond, some person respond better to this than the other. That's why we have so many different treatments, treat different medications treating the same problem. So... so I- yeah, I, I I agree with that. Um, I agree with that, sir. But and I just wanted to tell you this little story about that. That actually, when I was in pharmacology, professor was still around. He was kind of on his way out, but he was such a gentleman. Mm. And I actually was in. I did my degree, and I met his. I met his son, and interacted with his son. So when this person told me the thing doesn't work, I. I felt it a little, I felt somewhat offended because the gentleman, he seemed so uh, quite an intellectual. I really would find it hard to believe for him based on interacting with him. He would put something out there that he never thought or he had some study to show that it worked, you know. So, so that, that, that's just an aside. I just wanted to share that with you. Yeah, man. You see, mm-hmm. we had to be careful. I tell you, I did my little, my, my, my study. Can I say to you that it's, um, um, you know, double blinded and all the rest of it. The answer yeah. is no. But what else they would do do is to have people on 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 on, on a certain treatment regimen. I added something to it and noted the response. Now, what that should be doing to us now is to, is uh, so, someone like you then could say, look here, if Balin got this one, let me see if I can refine it and see what the response really is. You know, that's sort of thing we should be doing now. Because yeah. um, so when Manley started his problem, started his work. We should be looking at it now to say, okay, what can we do to find out? Because people are doing it, and I know that because with the group that we belong to at the the the, uh, the, the research group, we have people coming asking if we can do um, do clinical trials on some of these things, and that is exactly what Manny West started with. Yes. Wow. So we need to be we need, we need to look at this and look at this in very, very carefully. So, and, and we. We we know that it works extremely well for like nausea and vomiting, and in fact that that's why um, some of the the, the drugs what the Ranibel is used for as an appetite stimulant because it's a THC base. Yeah. So the THC component is important on these things, yeah. and it also helps with spasticity. Yeah. So you know, I, I was quote one thing in the study which I did 
the studies what I did on the two different companies who sent me the samples to work with. Mm. I gave the same compound to two different persons. And in terms of the, the sedative effect, one person said to me, they slept for three days. Like, you know, we start, the mantra is start small. So I start with one drop twice a day, increase it as the knee goes on because mm. the people are so variable. So one person told me to sleep for three days. Then the other person said they didn't sleep for three days. Mm. So wow. I'm saying, oh, oh, I mean, he kind of surprised me. I said, how wide a disparity can you get? Mm. Same drug, two different individuals. One, and we know that it can cause sedation. One mm. said that they, they couldn't sleep. They slept for three days. Very drowsy and slept for three days. Mm. Drowsiness with a small dose. Another person said when they get them awake, they couldn't sleep. Wow. So what are we going to say? To, what 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 are we going to draw from that? Don't bother with this drug because it keeps you awake or it keeps you asleep. Mm. Or we deal with individuals, individual responses. Mm. Exactly. And that's that's the way we have to look at it. The, the, we, 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 there's no dosing. There's no specific dosing we can do because right now we, we don't know what dosing because it's such an individual response. Is it because we don't understand the receptors well enough? Mm. We've got the CB1 receptors. So when I'm using it, I start low. Like I told the last person I gave it to, my colleague was using it. I said, start with one drop twice a day. See how you get on. Then you can increase it because there's no maximum dose. Mm. Wow. So so we, we don't we have there's no dose ratio. You can't say to the person, give you know two tablets three times a day or one one drop four times a day. Start mm. small and build up. This sounds like body weight doesn't matter either. It's, it's irrespective no. of body weight as well. Right. Oh, this is very interesting. <laughs> so, it's, it's a science and art form as well. We have to look at it and say, oh, okay, are we, we manipulated? And I, I strongly believe, my, my strong belief really is that because of a person in pain, but we have issues pain as our guideline, you know, uh, a person in pain, the factors are it's so multifactorial. And the fact that the medical marijuana is works on so many areas. If we can if we can mitigate one or two areas out of all of that, the person will tell you they feel a lot better. Mm. Because remember, you know, when we say if the pain score drops from eight to six, it doesn't mean you're out of pain, but a person can tell you, boy, doc. I cannot live with a six. I couldn't live with an eight. Right. I'm at a nine. I can't live with it. But when I reach to a seven, I can live with it. Because because what we what you're doing. So that's where we should be looking at and not and not speak about, oh, I'm going to stop your pain. And that's how I try to educate my patients. We are going to get to be functional. Mm. This is, this is a good point, and uh, and to echo what we were talking about, that I, I do believe that because of it acts on various systems, not only quote unquote pain, but also if it's going to reduce your anxiety, uh, for example, as one of the many effects, enable uh, you to get a good night's rest. I think you that holistic effect will be will be compounded you, you will you will just feel better it, it, absolutely it, so absolutely it, 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 it really is fascinating so from here where 
in terms of some of these other things that the not quite the anxiety, the the appetite stimulant, those things, the, the the official license, for example, in the states, they only have licensed for well, interestingly, for the appetite stimulant and for epilepsy. Do you think, based on your experience, or do you have any indications to when some of the other indications will be allowed? Well, I do know that in that for some readings is that uh, it is that pain management or there are twin registers that you understand it does help with pain. So therefore, um, they will have uh, be allowed for pain management per se. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I think it's something which is we will we, we'll see coming once we we, we approach this thing and you use it and and get people away from the thought. Sorry, get people away from the thought that. Ganja is people getting high, yes. uh, affecting the, the mental state of persons, uh, and they want to turn people mad. Yes. Now, so, so, but I, I think, despite of all that, though, or in spite of that, we are going. I feel very positive that we're going to see more and more places recognize that it has benefits in management of pain and, the, and the, all this, all the um, symptoms surrounding having chronic pain. And we're going to see a strong, more strong indications for that. <clears throat> okay. So I think we have to just keep working at it. The thing is that what what I pick up is that when people speak about marijuana, all people think if somebody spoke and stiff and getting high. Yes. So that's where we have the the, 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 the THC component. Yes. And we speak to the Jamaican sense of being good because we have a high THC component. Yes. Now, that we do know, even scientifically, that particularly young people, it affects the brain and that sort of thing, and brain growth and processing. So that's not something what we want to encourage. But when you start to reduce the THC and go to the medical marijuana side, we can control the THC levels and the CBD. We are seeing that's where I think we should focus on, and let people see the benefits of, of that, and at the same time trying to, you know, move away from the fact that you need to smoke a spliff. Because it's going to stop your pain. Mm-hmm. Well, it will. Have... It will. It will stop you vomiting because you've got the THC. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it will. It will. It will help your 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 with appetite yes. with the THC component. Yes. So there again, there there are there are there are indications for that. Yes. But if it's, I wouldn't say I'm going to give it to you for pain management. Yes. Yes. Well, I I think we've covered a lot here. I, I can't thank you, you know, Doc. I know you're very busy. And I tried to track it on for a few weeks, but uh, I'm so glad we finally got to do this. I no, thank, well, you, I, thank you. Time's it's, million, very, it's very good. It's, like, uh, it's, it's, um, it's something which you want to, I'm very passionate about in terms of getting the word out and letting people know, look here, there are alternatives. You don't have to be there suffering in pain all your life and wondering what next, what next. There's nothing can be done. There's always something that can be done. So, and this is just one of the methods we can help help to sort of get people to a pain-free functional state. Because yeah. we want to get you back to, if you're at work, you want to get back to work, look after your family, get on with your business, and, that's what, and be efficient at it. Yes. And if medical marijuana helps, I'm all for it, and I'll certainly give it to you to try. Excellent. 
Well, uh, thank you again. I think we have to save some more discussion. Hopefully, we do a part two, Sir Balin. <laughs>